Hello, and welcome to Let's Meet the Virologists, a podcast about the people behind today's virology headlines, people working to understand viruses and how they affect you. We are talking with students, postdocs, and other virologists so that you can learn who they are and what they do. I am Larissa Thackray, and I am hosting this podcast from America's Heartland in St. Louis, Missouri. On July 11th, 2022, we talked with William Rodriguez, a graduate student at the University of Massachusetts Amherst. He received his Bachelor's of Science from Worcester State University. He studies the role of host mRNA that escape RNA decay induced by herpes virus infection. So thanks for talking with us today. Um, Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? All right, so uh, my name is William Rodriguez. I am a Puerto Rican PhD candidate here at the University of Massachusetts Amherst in Amherst, Mass. Um, I'm in the lab of Dr. Mandy Muller, and uh, we we study RNA stability during viral infection and for a lot of different viruses, but we mostly focus on herpes viruses. Okay, cool. And can you tell us how you first became interested in science and then virology? So two words, Jurassic Park. <laughs> it's one of my favorite movie series of all time. Um, and I, it's my earliest vivid memory as a kid of kind of watching like, like these scientists doing these crazy things and kind of bringing to life these amazing, huge organisms. And it's just like, it just was such a wow factor to me. It's like, these were like, to me, when I was a kid, these were like mythical creatures. And now here are these scientists, these biologists bringing these dinosaurs to life. And I'm like, oh my goodness, this is crazy, right? Um, and so I remember like the first science fair project I ever did was for like a Komodo dragon, like just because it's the closest thing I could see that was like as close to a dinosaur as I could think of. Um, and so that's probably when I first kind of became interested um, in science, I'd say. Um, and then from there, um, when I went on to high school, and so actually really early on, I got a chance to be like, okay, so I was like, I want to be a biologist, something along those lines. Didn't know what that really meant at the time, but that was what I had to go off of. Um, and so I, I went on to join this um, biotech trade program that they have at Worcester Technical High School um, in Worcester, Massachusetts. And it was from there that I was like, oh, it was like, it was a pretty pioneering at the time because uh, there's not really many high schools in in certain parts of the country that even offer like the opportunity to show like high school students how to do lab work um and so it was through that experience that i was like really shown like dna here's dna and here's all the cool things dna can do um and so that's definitely like how i first got into into science is through that outlet Cool. And can you tell us then sort of your path then towards virology? Uh, How did you get to um, graduate school after your undergrad? Hmm. So um, I'll say that as far as virology is concerned, I definitely had an idea that I wanted to kind of understand because I remember when I first started out in that high school program, it was like, oh, you can use DNA to kind of force cells to do stuff. Right. And so then I started to look into that more and it's like oh well it turns out there's this whole form of life that appears to do something very similar um and that for nearly every form of life there's a different version of a virus that can take over that form of life um and so that again was just super awesome and i was like okay so let's go with this further right i'll say that um growing up i didn't really grow up with like a very rich family um and so coming from the background i did i didn't really have too many options in terms of undergrad universities i could attend 
Um, and so I kind of, my path to where I am right now in terms of research has been kind of a little all over the place. I definitely, I did start kind of with viruses in that I started with bacteriophage, um, the, the beautiful things that those are. Um, and so in the lab uh, of Dr. Lynn Lewis, that's where I started out with bacteriophage. Um, but from there, um, because of family circumstances, I ended up moving um, a lot around early on. And so I ended up doing a couple years of undergrad in Virginia. Then I moved back up here to Massachusetts. And it's here in Massachusetts um, that I started to work with a couple different people at Worcester State University. Um, and so I jumped around a couple different projects, but I'll say that I mostly stuck with soil microbiota and studying soil bacteria. And so I was just kind of, I like to like describe it as I was kind of biding my time. I was like looking for as much research as I can do. Um, and I usually tell this to anyone else who's going through undergrad that this is like the time to try these different things too. But if you know there's something you wanna do, there will come a time for that as well. Um, and so eventually um, went, got through undergrad and um, had a whole bunch of soil microbiome. No, hadn't really touched human viruses at all. Um, but then for grad school, that's when I was really looking to transition into human viruses. And how did you choose your graduate program and then your, the graduate lab that you're in? How did that sort of happen? What, what attracted you to those uh, two different places? So that was the fun part was like trying to a lot. I had been advised a lot like, oh, you don't have to like look to like a, a purely virology department or a purely virology program to get experiences with viruses. Um, and I really love that notion because as I've gone through now a microbiology PhD, I've had the chance to kind of look at all sorts of bacteria, eukaryotic parasites, so on and so forth. Um, and so that's what really what I was looking around for first was like broader microbiology programs where I could have opportunities um, to kind of be exposed to all sorts of different research. Um, but then, so I was looking around mostly schools here in Massachusetts, but I also looked at Rutgers and New Jersey, as well as a couple schools in New York. Um, but after kind of process elimination, I'll say like the first school to offer me an interview was here at UMass. Um, and Mandy's lab was really particularly interesting. Um, it's, it's one thing to kind of like have a lab that's studies maybe one virus or one very specific process. It's another to kind of advertise yourself as a lab that studies multiple different viruses of different lineages, and then trying to find a theme that unites them. Um, and I think that's like the beauty of virology, if nothing else, is that it ties together so many different fields towards a very, very awesome goal of understanding life. Um, and so I'll say Mandy's research in her lab, she does an awesome job with saying like, all right, we do study herpes viruses as our model, but predominantly we focus on RNA stability. And so we're trained not just as herpes virologists, but we're also trained as RNA biologists. Um, and that has just brought me to like 50 million other different fields <laughs> at the same time. Cool. And can you then, I guess, describe in more detail what your lab is like and then some of your research? So like the big the big question that you're trying to address and then maybe some of the techniques that you use. Alrighty. Um, so I'll say our lab is really young. Um, Mandy has actually been working on tenure this year. And so um, I'm actually her first PhD student. Um, and so I, I got a lot of questions about that when I first started. People were like, oh my God, be careful. She's a new lab. And I was like, I have been working with her so far and she is awesome. She is extremely hardworking as is everyone else in our lab. Um, we, we are very much pedal to the metal. Um, and, uh, but I think overall we're really chill. We, we, we very much like take a really good approach to not only 
tackling our own research, but making sure we address our own lives as well, you know, because we're people just like anyone else. Um, and we have a lot of get togethers. We have a lot of fun. Um, we play where a lot of us are big nerds. So we like play card games, board games, so on and so forth. Very, very indoors stuff. Every now and again, someone will someone be like, let's throw a Frisbee outside. Um, <laughs> see the sun, maybe, you know, we don't have that many windows. We have new windows now, but um, see the sun, maybe. Um, but generally speaking, um, I'll say that our lab, the biggest question we're really trying to understand is during herpes viral infection, trying to understand the place of RNA stability. So trying to ask kind of this back and forth between virus and host for control of RNA stability. So of course, on the virus side, this means trying to take control of gene expression for the sake of viral replication. From the host side, this is of course to mount an antiviral response to herpes viral infection. And so what we and others have shown really is that during herpes viral infection, there's this massive RNA decay event that decimates like greater than 70% of cellular transcripts. And this is all in preparation for viral replication, right? Um, but the idea is that essentially there's of course still a 30% of transcripts that do not meet this fate. Um, and so it is among these transcripts also that we know that there are mRNAs that actively escape through some through a number of mechanisms that we're still working to really define, but actively escape this RNA degradation. Um, and so our lab is really interested in understanding, defining this mechanism of escape. And then my work starts to take this a little further and asks, all right, after this transcript has escaped degradation, what does it do? What is its job? Um, and is it proviral? Is it antiviral? And can we use that to inform whether the escape has also been um, evolved as a pro or antiviral mechanism? Cool. That was actually going to be my question. So you just cut me off right there. <laughs> so I guess um, that's complicated in a way. So what are some of the techniques that you use to study that? So it's sort of like an interplay between obviously the virus and the host and things that are beneficial to the virus, beneficial to the host and detrimental to both. So how do you study that? So we got two kind of huge spheres. Um, we one when one sphere we are very RNA centric in that uh, we take um, this. Uh, so essentially, we boil down to essentially an RNA elements that can be moved from one transcript to the next and provide protection to said transcript. And so a lot of our lab has really been either essentially looking at a couple different ways. So we've looked at in the sense of structure. So we use um, methodologies such as um, shape map, um, which is a really popular uh, RNA structure method these days to kind of map out this RNA element known as the SOX resistant element SRE. Um, and so for the SRE, we've we have a pretty good, uh, we've gotten the first map of it recently. So we're pretty excited about that to see these loops in all their glory. Um, but also from there, we um, have another person in our lab, uh, Dan McBay Fierro. He uh, looks at the RNA modifications. So looking at um, the really popular M6A modification and essentially its relationship to um, how this escape could be happening. Um, but in more recent years, we've actually been trying to do broader screens, broader pull downs of these escaping mRNAs um, using RIP, CHIRP, so on and so forth, um, pulling down on these RNAs and seeing what proteins are there, um, and then mapping them to where in the RNA they are in fact bound. Um, are they bound directly to this SRE element, or are they bound uh, proximally to it? Um, these are like huge questions in terms of the RNA side. Um, as far as my work's concerned, my work is, I would say, I usually like to think of it as more classical virology. Um, I like to take it from the perspective of like, okay, 
after the escape, the one, the transcript I study makes a protein. And this protein happens to do a whole bunch of different things. Um, but generally speaking, from my side, I take it one step at a time. I go through each step of the viral life cycle and I've characterized kind of, does it affect this? Does it affect this? Does it affect this? Um, and it's actually brought me across to a very interesting place because um, this protein, when we first found it, we had no idea. <laughs> I no idea what I was going to do. Um, but ever since then, i say like through these methods, we found like, okay, this is a really good antiviral protein. I've been using a lot more methods since um, to kind of characterize it further. Cool. And um, I guess thinking about sort of this interplay, do you look at it also over time and spatially as well? So I guess we had someone on a little while ago that was kind of talking about temporal transcriptomics and sort of spatial um, uh, changes in viral replication. So do you consider that as well? I would say um, in a way we do, um, maybe not to maybe as fine a detail. Um, so we know that this, um, this degradation event, this host shutoff events, um, occurs early on during infection, if I'm not mistaken, between like eight and 12 hours post reactivation from latency. Um, and so essentially we have, and so that's kind of what's nifty about herpes viral models is that we can have latently infected cell lines and reactivate them at will. Um, and so within that window, that eight to 12 hour window, we have this massive degradation events. Um, and then what ends up happening is that you have this kind of reorganization of gene expression at like at these massive scales. And so it's hard to even say if gene expression is anywhere close to what it was prior to this event happening. Um, so I guess from that perspective, we can say we have, we, we work within that window, um, but we also take it outside of infection as well, where you we can kind of hopefully re replicate these kind of conditions. Cool. And does this um, sort of studying how the virus is doing this, does it tell you something about how the host itself regulates itself? Yeah, so awesomely so. Um, I'll say that a lot of great work, um, especially from the Glonsinger lab, um, has really been dedicated to kind of looking at that as well. Um, but so what we've, we and others have been able to show really is that essentially that after this degradation event happens, you have this kind of reorganization of RNA binding proteins um, moving between the cytoplasm and the nucleus. They were one, like a lot of them are once bound to these RNAs. They got to do things, right? Um, but now that they're being chewed up, it's like, oh, well, now these proteins are free. What are they going to do? Um, so they essentially end up going through these huge relocalization events, moving back and forth between the nucleus and the cytoplasm. And what we've been able to show is that there are certain, especially things like things like nucleolin, things like other really, one could say generic RNA binding proteins, but they do have this huge impact on gene expression as they move uh, during herpes viral infection. And so this like these this degradation event, it essentially shows us kind of these drastic scenarios, um, not just during viral infection, but now we, let's say just an environmental stimulus that triggers the degradation events. Now we can learn how these RNA binding proteins move in response to these drastic shifts in gene expression. Cool. Um, and are you going to be talking about some of this work at ASV? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> super looking forward to that. This is my first in-person ASV, so super excited to go. Um, I'll say that, so the work I'll be sharing really just is, is super centric on in the antiviral protein I was mentioning a little bit ago, um, that 
is made from one of our escaping transcripts. Uh, it has a super generic name, uh, C19 or 66, how we found it, chromosome 19, open reading frame 66. Um, but since then, I'll say that not just our group, but six to seven other groups have independently found this protein as a broad spectrum antiviral protein that restricts multiple DNA, RNA, and retroviruses across the board. Um, so a lot of the work that the work that I'll be sharing at ASV and a lot of the work I continue to do has really been trying to like reconcile all these different things that we know about this protein from all these different groups. Um, because for each different virus, this thing has been found to restrict. It has been a different mechanism has been described. Um, and so it represents just a really versatile piece of the innate immune response. And I like to think that the story that I'll be sharing is more it not only tries to bring some of these ideas together from these different groups, but also takes it a little bit further because I start, uh, the recent work I've done kind of shows that it has a much more, maybe a much more broader impact on gene expression than has been previously suggested. Um, and that we see these fluctuations in a really popular topic these days, RNA granules. Um, so we see these huge fluctuations in processing bodies and possibly what looks like to be formation of stress granules in response or as a consequence of the expression of this protein. Um, and so I like to think that the story that I'm telling not only takes it from this antiviral story, but tries to tie the antiviral response to viral infection to this regulation of gene expression at a much larger scale. Cool. Um, and I guess uh, you're getting on in your PhD now. So what are your plans for the future? So definitely, uh, yeah, I'm moving into my last, my fifth and maybe last, you know, fingers crossed, right? Um, I'm really looking forward to moving forward um, into different models. Um, I, I super love herpes viruses, but I love RNA viruses just as much. Um, I definitely have been looking around um, for postdoc opportunities, um, seeing kind of the different labs that are options for me. Um, I'm very interested in moving into like uh, neurological viruses um, and looking at brain models, um, particularly like Zika virus, for example, um, is definitely a, a very good button that I'm looking to see if I can maybe get, get associated with. Um, and I just, you know, I just see the brain models as a huge new frontier. Um, like there's like, and oftentimes we find that it's like the neurological viruses are often the hardest to deal with. Um, and the CNS just in general is just like a whole new niche compared to just anywhere else in the body. It's amazing, really. Um, and so, yeah, I've been looking around for postdocs, um, trying to see where I can uh, be involved with. Great. And I guess just to finish up then, what has the last uh, two and a half years of the pandemic been like for you, I guess, as a person and also as a virologist? Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> um, I'll say, uh, I'll answer that as a virologist first. Um, I've been trying to keep pushing um, uh, through my work and definitely like through all these conditions, it's been horrible <laughs> to say the least. I think anyone who tells you otherwise is maybe not fully being honest. Um, and so I'll say that um, in the pandemic, through the first two years, especially, we were trying our best to cope with the conditions and trying to be in lab and these really odd shifts to make sure no one caught it and whatnot. Um, and I'll say that from my own work, it definitely slowed things down, but I was still able to make decent progress. Um, and I, I, I thank every possible constellation um, and otherworldly powers that I was able to get through as much as I was able to get through. 
Um, and as a person, unfortunately, it was a lot harder than that, though, um, having to deal with my having to keep my family like healthy and safe. Um, and especially because my family isn't super hot on medical issues and trusting the governments um, and trying to keep things like that in mind, you know, but at the same time, they were I was able to you know, we would keep everyone like safe and vaccinated and everything um, as much as possible. Um, and we unfortunately, we lost a couple of family members um, through that experience. Um, it was definitely not the best time. But um, luckily, we've reached a point where we're still in one piece, um, more or less. So yeah, I think but not to end on that horrible note, but we're good. I think we're good. Now. Yeah, yeah. I think it's been difficult for everyone, but um obviously if you lose lose people, it's 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 something that lasts for a long time. Right. Um great. Well, we look forward to uh seeing you in person at ASV. Um and we look forward to hearing about your research. Thank you very much. I very much appreciate this. This has been Let's Meet the Virologists, a podcast about people who study viruses. This is your host, Larissa Thackray, and thanks for listening. You can find us on Google, Apple, Amazon Music, and other podcast providers or at lmtv.podbean.com.